Welcome to the Gottesdienst crowd, where we foster confessional integrity, liturgical preservation, and preaching that doesn't stink. We believe that the historic liturgy of the divine service is more than mere cobwebs of antiquity, but it is a true treasure of the Church to be dusted off and brought down from her attic to be enjoyed. So let's get dusting. Welcome back to the Godestine's Crowd. This is Jason Broughton. Today we have back with us Dave Peterson. Welcome back, Dave. Thank you. We're looking at the gospel reading for the third Sunday in Lent. It comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 14 to 28. I'll read that in the English Standard Version. Now Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides to spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me, scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you in the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Okay, so uh, before we kind of get into the context of the text itself and then start working through some of the grammar or some of the vocabulary, uh, again, I was reading uh, Paul Lindemann and Fred Lindemann. Which one is it? Fred Lindemann. The Sermon and the Prophets. Yeah. I can't believe I'm doing this again. And he comments <laughs> <laughs> he comments that this reading is selected for this day in Lent because it was the day of renunciation of the devil and of the exorcism for the catechumens. Uh, what is that history? And does it have continual application for us today in, in kind of a similar way, even though we might not have Augustine's catechumenate or something like that? Yeah, I, I was also, I didn't read Lindemann, but I was reading in Parsh about it, and he talks about this was the day of the scrutinies. So mm. they're, um, yeah, I mean, they're being asked and, and being warned, right, that they have to renounce the devil and all his ways, and they have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know, all that weird catechumen stuff, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I was thinking about it in ter- just a little bit. I mean, it doesn't mean much to us, right? Because we don't have that kind of a system. But I, I was sort of wondering about like maybe questioning. I mean, we, we do have something that's sort of parallel, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, the catechumens are examined 
Um, I don't know. I was also thinking about uh, it. It doesn't. It just doesn't resonate with us. I think in the same way. You know, going to the Church of Saint Lawrence and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the, and the parade. You know, and but I was thinking about the the questioning of the catechumens. I mean, that is a significant event in the lives of our churches, at least of those people and of their families. Mm -hmm. And then also the exorcism at baptism. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I feel like this has more of a correspondence to that, right? Uh, Depart unclean spirit, make way for the Holy Spirit. The, you know, whether this, I mean, how closely this was tied to the catechumenate and their preparation to be confirmed and admitted to the altar on Easter at the Easter vigil. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's just, it is so legalistic, you know, well, they would and it be is so tied baptized up in, and confirmed, wouldn't they at the same time? Uh, I always get confused about that. Uh, I, some of them, I think that's right, but is yeah. that all of them? Yeah. I, that, that, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Probably I don't not, know. but yeah, some of them are baptized as babies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But anyway, it does strike me as it just doesn't seem like it has really the right emphasis in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I sort of don't like it. Well, is I, there. I certainly don't think we. I mean, we do. So if you don't have any baptisms or confirmations at the Easter vigil, you get kind of this remembrance of baptism and remembrance of uh, confirmation. I mean, is this a time to remind them of that remembrance or. I, I mean, that seems kind of silly, doesn't it? To- <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I think you can do this, though. I think you can say, you know, Lent's a time of preparation. We're preparing for this, mm-hmm. right? We're going to we're going to reexamine our baptism vows and the significance of 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 that. And to do that with a sort of pure heart requires preparation and a, a driving off of demons and a reception of the Holy Spirit through word and sacrament. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think this clean house thing is, is right on, this is appropriate for, for Christians. And I think, you know, whether it's for the Easter vigil or just for Easter itself, that look, if the house is empty, the demons are coming back. Right. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, Lang makes a big point of that, right? There's no, there's to be no interregnum, right? There's, there's no <laughs> yeah. middle way. There's no middle rule between the sphere of the demons and the kingdom of Christ or the kingdom of God. Um, and if you have some kind of interregnum, that means you're still in the sphere of the demons. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The lukewarm spit it out of the mouth. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got all of that. And then all of these calls to abide. Um, I mean, that's John's language. You know, um, Luke uses here the word for guard or protect, but uh, you know, to to hear the word of God and and to protect it, to hold it, to mm-hmm. seize it, right? Yeah. The, um, not to obey it necessarily, though. I mean, that's that's part of it to be sure. But I think keep in English sounds like not breaking yeah. rather than protecting. Yeah, um, it's like keep the, uh, hold of it. But you know, lot. Yeah, keep hold of it. Uh, that that would be good. Yeah, the mm-hmm. uh, John's language is you know meno to to abide or to remain. Uh, so. The, uh, that's certainly an appropriate call to, to all Christians who are, we're all catechumens in that sense. So I, I guess that's, I guess that's the problem. I just figured it out. I think in Lutheranism, everybody, we're all catechumens. I think the problem in this kind of early church stuff and even the modern Roman Catholic stuff is catechumenates are those who are preparing for confirmation. Mm-hmm. 
but we're we're all but in Lutheranism we never graduate. We're always being we're always catechumens. Oh, right? no, that, that's a good point. So, is that the way to kind of Lutheranize this then? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think we just we we just. Yes, we, we need to be aware that we have to stay in the Word of God mm-hmm. and that the Word of God bestows the Holy Spirit and keeps the deep, right? Everything is sanctified by the Word of God and by prayer. And the way that we are safe from demons is with, you know, family devotions and coming to church and reading the Bible and so forth, receiving the sacrament, right? That, yeah. you know, this is the. I mean, actually, this this is more easily and readily and rightly applied to our view of things than it is to that catechumenate idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this is more clearly the you know the context of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely get kind of the baptismal, the sweeping clean. Image. Yeah, the, even the waterless places. I love that. Yeah, and that's a great word in Greek too. Um, but. Right, the uh, the anti water places. Yeah, on hydros. <laughs> so, yeah, but that that's a great uh, allusion to to baptism. That, that's where the that's where the demons go, mm-hmm. and that's of course a desert, right? So a desert is a place without baptism. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so is that a tie then to the? So, I mean, could you say for one? That Jesus brings water to the desert because he's baptized. Yeah. And, yeah, and and we need him to keep bringing the water. Yeah, and and by by baptism we are obviously expelling the demons, but as we go about everywhere, we're driving them away. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I mean I think this is sort of a we need to stay baptized. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, so you know we're 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 keep talking it. to people. Remain, we're talking guard to people. It. Who, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because the demons are looking for an opening. Uh huh. And you know, this goes along really. I mean, there is this. These first three Sundays are so full of demons, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you had an invocabit, the devil himself, in the desert with Jesus. Then we had the Syrophoenician woman with the demon possessing her daughter, and now you know we got this. Jesus is casting out a demon from mm-hmm. a mute man. By the yeah. way, the uh, um, the Lutheran Missile Project doesn't start till verse 21 they skip the whole they skip that whole thing about beelzebul really and the exorcism they start right it's it starts with the strong man stuff oh that's interesting so ls lsb starts with verse 14 right i mean i like the of course you know i always like these expansions i mean <laughs> i'm sure scammon would tell us well if people just come to church on wednesday they'll hear that but I know. I, I mean, that's fine. I don't mind them coming to church on Wednesday and hearing it, but I don't mind them hearing it also Again. at the same time as they hear. <laughs> that's great. They could come on Wednesday and hear it again, but it'd be kind of nice when they hear this. So let's talk about context because yeah. uh, I got this from from Just. I had never noticed this before. This is really so. For, verse fourteen through twenty eight is really the first part. And then it's finished with uh, it go twenty nine to thirty two. So you you have this. He's casting out a demon. It's mute. The mute man speaks. And then you have this evil speech in contrast from the uh, some of the crowd. The first part of them say he casts out a demon by Beelzebul. And then the other uh, the others seek a sign. And then in verse seventeen. So those are the two things. So then seventeen 
all the way through 28 is about the false accusation that he casts out demons by Beelzebul. And then in uh, verses 33 to 39, he explains, or I'm sorry, 29, uh, he explains the seeking of a sign and they're going to get the sign of Jonah. Mm -hmm. And then you have sort of two summaries. In our section, you have the great kind of summary statement 28, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That's the kind of response to the accusation that he casts out demons by Beelzebul. And then in the second half, those who are seeking a sign and they only get uh, Jonah, the summary there is that no one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place. Mm. And if then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light is when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. So that's the sort of parallel to uh, hearing the word of God and keeping it, mm-hmm. right? Both of them have to do with resisting sin and giving no place for demons and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then he launches so, into the woes. And then he launches into the woes. That's right. Well, that yeah, that's interesting that you have all that unfolding there. Yeah, and so you, you really do have in verses 16 and 17, I mean, in what we'll hear right? You do have that set up for the people asking for the signs, but then it's sort of not addressed directly because we stop a little early. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't tell the, don't tell the boys in Connecticut, but we could expand this thing all the way. To, <laughs> we could 36. expand both directions. <laughs> that would be, a, that would be a bit much. Um, yeah. It'd be a, it'd be a, it'd be a lot to, to focus on. And you might end up if you expanded it, wanting to just preach on part of it instead of the central yeah. part and adding the context that comes right. before no, and I don't follows. To, yeah, I don't really want to expand it that far. But I do like I do like having the Beelzebul stuff and but as the setup for the strong man. I mm-hmm. mean that's you you could you wouldn't maybe have to go all the way back to fourteen, but it seems like it seems like to go at least back to 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, by the way, we, I, I, because I got caught up in that, you know, just uh, organization there, uh, by the way, but the beginning of chapter 11 is all about prayer. Yeah. It's the Our Father and then the Persistent Widow and then uh, uh, ask and it will be given to you stuff and then God gives good gifts. But I, I don't think they're really connected. I think 14 is a pretty clean break. And he was casting out a demon and it was mute, I think really is like a, a new scene. So mm. I don't know, maybe there's a connection. Everything is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Yeah. But Some demons only come out by fasting and prayer. And prayer, right, mm. exactly. But And everything is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Mm-hmm. So Well, that's the, you've got those. maybe that's the thing you get, you know, in verse 28, Blessed right. rather are those who hear the word of God and hold on to it. The word that he gave was the, the Our Father. Oh, which has deliver us from evil. Yeah. Yeah. Closes with, with that great statement. Oh, hey, here's another uh, funny thing. Uh, I was just asked recently within the last couple of weeks, why we make the sign of the cross that deliver us from evil. And I gave, you know, the goddess dean's dancer, at least I think it's the goddess dean's dancer, right? That's the summary petition, right? Yeah. We're delivered by the cross. But then he said, well, that wasn't what he meant. What he meant was like, what's the historic precedent for it? I said, uh-huh. I don't know. Isn't that what everybody does? And he said, 
he told me that's not what everybody does. And uh, they, they can't find a rubric for it anywhere. Huh. So I, is it I'm like just, the Roining rubric that we? Maybe it's like the Roining rubric exactly. I um, I wonder if it's like it's parallel to the creed. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we kind of picked it up from there. I I mean I don't know. I'm not going to stop doing it. I mean it's ingrained in me and mm-hmm. in my people, and I think it's beautiful. I mean, but uh, according to according to this SEM student, um, he's done some looking. He doesn't find it in any Catholic resources or. You know, it's not, and it's not an LSB. I didn't. I just didn't even notice that it wasn't an LSB. But apparently, they left it off. So it's because isn't it in some places an LSB, or is it I just? Don't know. He said it wasn't. Huh. Well, I know it's not in Matins, but I thought it was in some places. Well, I'm, I'd have to look. Here it is. They have it. Uh, you know, at the I'm looking. It's at the Apostle. No, it's not in the Divine Services. Huh. I mean, I. I'm not giving it up. I don't. I don't care if I made it up. I, it's it's beautiful. It's perfect. <laughs> it's totally right. It's like the Lutherans and Transfiguration. Yeah, I was so, just going to so say right. that. Yeah. <laughs> Deliver us from evil. The cross. I mean, it's just it's it's on the it's it's perfect, and it does it does balance it with kind of the creed. I, mm-hmm. That might be where you know sometimes stuff happens like that where it's just uh, just kind of arises out of popular piety and. Yeah, but I was really surprised because you know, it is funny how you you're doing things and you don't realize. I mean, because they're because they are so ingrained and so natural, you don't realize they're not in the book. Right, right. Yeah, there was a um, there was a book. Yeah, by Els uh, Elquin Reed or Elswin Reed, the organic development development of the liturgy, and it it traces how throughout these places things get added on in one space and then it catches on and moves to the entire realm. Yeah. Um, and it, and it happens out of piety. Yeah, of course yeah. it does. Yeah. So, and that was a really great book. I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's all about uh, the development of the Roman mass, but still, it was still really fascinating to see how these things came, came about and got added. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I have a friend who likes to say, whenever we get into these discussions, he says, well, everything is made up. Because <laughs> I'll say, well, they just made that up, you know. And uh, he'll say, well, everything is made up. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> At some point, right? I mean, there was a point when nobody made the sign of the cross anywhere. And then what, And then somebody made the sign of the cross, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was made up. And then, you know, deciding where it should be done was also made up. And yeah, but so it is sort of, it is, that is sort of a kind of sobering reminder that I think is useful once in a while. Look, it's, it's all made up, you know, this has been dictated. These ceremonies haven't been dictated to us from on high. Right. That's yeah. Made up in that way. Yeah. 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 It it wasn't flippantly made up necessarily. No. Well, that's what, like you were just, this came from piety. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's funny. That's why this is the reason that Good Friday is so complicated Mm. is because piety cares more about Good Friday than anything else. Mm -hmm. And so there's so many ceremonies and so many local customs and so much kind of, because it's the, it is the big day. Yeah. The big day is not Easter. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, Easter, Easter is a big day. I mean, we're 
Yeah, Easter is a big day. <laughs> or we're all, our faith is in vain, right? Right. But, but I mean, ceremonially, in terms, and the terms of our, the heart of our piety is not Easter. The heart of our piety is Good Friday. Yeah. Um, I mean, Easter, again, right, of, of course. It, but it is funny, too. I, it's, it's, it's funny how, I think it's helpful to kind of just name that and say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, nobody ever says to me, none of my members have ever said to me, oh, great, it's Easter. Easter is my favorite season. But I hear regularly yeah. that they tell me all the time how much they love Lent. Yeah, and Holy Week, yeah. <laughs> I love Lent. And you know, it, they don't say I love Easter. They might say I love Christmas. They might say I love Epiphany. I mean, they might they might love Easter Sunday, but you know, it's one day. It's right. not a whole. And they don't. Well, they probably I shouldn't like, say you that, tired of the farewell discourse and John. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> so, all right, let's get all right. Let's let's get to this text here. Um, so, do you do you try to tie it all together? Or do you try to pick out one thing? In it is a kind of a, a long reading. It is, um, yeah. I mean, it, you easily could divide it. You know, you could talk about the false charge and the uh, the fact that Jesus casts out demons by the finger of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and the finger of God was what wrote the Ten Commandments. Wrote the commandments, yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's an important point. Just like just like Jesus in the desert, right? The demons are driven off by the law. Mm. not the gospel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the finger of God that writes the commandments, it's the commandments that forbid demons. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's gospel for us, but it's law to them. And it's, mm-hmm. it is Jesus speaking the law. You right? do, he tells them though, to go. Yeah, you do in Mark, though, when he calls the apostles and names them. Uh, I want to say in Mark chapter 3, you get this. He, and he, he, he sends them out to preach the gospel and cast out demons. So you do get yeah. so you do get that as well. Oh sure, sure, sure. Uh, uh, I thought you were good. and I, I thought you were going to bring up his right in John where he writes with his finger in the in the dirt. Oh no, I'm just saying the gospel also casts out demons. Oh, and that's that's well, the wider I, sense. I think yeah. I I mean, I, I think this is the thing. It's gospel to us that the demons are cast out, but I mean, it's not gospel to them. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he it, it's a word of law law to them. He casts out demons by the finger of God. I I think is, you know, this is the law in the in the positive sense, you know, that he's he's placing things back into order. Mm-hmm. And that that's driven by his mercy, but it's not the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Right? But it's the but for us, of course, it's it's part of the gospel because it's what's rescuing us from these oppressors. Right. So were there any translation issues big? I mean, you already mentioned the uh, keep it. Yeah, the, the keep thing. Yeah, that's – I just think people mishear keep. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, no, I don't think so. I don't so, think there's any other. So do you think – and I'm always, like, curious about this. Do you think that the house of Beelzebul isn't divided against itself? No, I think, yeah, I think that's hilarious. No, I think totally the kingdom of Satan is divided. And of course, the kingdom of Satan does fall, right? Uh, The demons fight with each other. And in fact, are trying to cast each other out because they're jockeying for position and trying to steal from one another. Yeah, I think the point is, is that nobody casts out demons in the name of Beelzebub. 
except for Beelzebub or Beelzebub. It's either Beelzebub or Beelzebul. Uh, Beelzebul himself, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody else is trying to. So there is this kind of funny thing. In fact, I wonder in verse 20, um, or wait, wait, where's the thing about your sons? Oh yeah, uh, 19, right? If I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Mm-hmm. They will be your judges. Um, yeah, that that's the, but yeah, I think it's funny that uh, the point I think is not, not that Beelzebul wouldn't cast out demons, it's that he would only do it for himself. Mm-hmm. And he would do it in order to take up residence in that person. Yeah. Whereas Jesus is actually driving them out and bestowing the Holy Spirit and healing. So he isn't saying that the house of Satan is united, I don't think, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But I don't know what I, I, that the night, the, the thing about their sons is the thing I can't quite figure out. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, no one would say that their son does that good thing by Beelzebul. I think that's his point. Oh, okay. I mean, it's just a you know conditional. I get it. Argument like so. If I do it, then who do your sons? Yeah, do it. And uh, so if if you say I do it, um, then you know modus ponens is then your sons do it that way. If you say your sons don't yeah. do it that way, then Modus Tolan says, then I don't do it that way. So I think he's just making well, a standard argument okay. there. But it, it does raise, I, I think, another question, you know, because when Jesus casts them out, he's expecting it to be filled with something else. So, right. so maybe there's something there. Like, so who then is ruling? Do your sons think they're ruling that yeah. person that they cast out? That they have this I, power I think either over. way, they're, yeah, either way, the sons are going to judge, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Either, because if, if the sons are doing this for their own profit or their own benefit in some fashion as an exercise of power in their own, you know, like the acting like the demons, then they're still going to judge their fathers because they hate everybody. Yeah. Right. Or if they're doing it, right? <laughs> the, you know, there, there's a, another kind of funny thing. I'm trying to remember what this is called, but there is this. The accusation that they make against Jesus can't really be it can't really be defended, right? Because they they say you're casting out demons by Beelzebul, and then you know he says no, I'm not, and then they they're saying, well, that's exactly what somebody who casts out demons by Beelzebul would say, yeah. right? It's this it's this they they they've put him into this kind of ridiculous position. I mean, not they they're making this kind of ridiculous position that it ought to be just obvious to everyone that this is just a totally wicked, baseless accusation. Mm-hmm. I think that goes along with your point about how to read verse 19. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious then, like, how verse 20 works with that. Like, he extends the argument. Yeah. Well, I mean, here it's just, I mean, this is, it's really, even though it's, uh, it, it's put in a conditional state, it's just an assertion. I, I cast out demons with the with the finger of God, so the kingdom of God has come upon you, and you're actually in league with Beelzebul because you're rejecting the kingdom of God, and you don't want the kingdom of God upon you, and you don't want the demons cast out. Hmm. Yeah. What, what's the come upon? Does that mean just in your midst, or that you're actually part of the kingdom? So is he making the argument then hmm. 
if you recognize that it's by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God is actually, you're part of it. Uh, but if oh. you say uh, that, you know, that I don't, then the then yeah. you have no part of the kingdom of God. I like it. I and, I had never and that kind of yeah that might dovetail with verse twenty three. Whoever is not with me is against me, mm-hmm. and who, whoever does not synagogue with me scatters. Right. Yeah. Right. So if if you uh, if you won't admit that I'm casting out demons by the finger of God, then you're against me. Yeah. It's it's not neutral. Even if you don't accuse me of doing it by Beelzebul. So. So do you take the whoever does not gather with me scatters? Do you take that as transitive or intransitive? Uh, well, so I'm not following that you. the the people like they're actually gathering something with Jesus or they're gathering together with Jesus. Oh, I see. Yeah, I think they're gathering together with Jesus. Okay, that's how I've always taken so, it. Um, yeah, so that would be intransitive. Yeah, they're not. They're not. It isn't. Uh, it, they're not casting out demons. They're the ones who, from whom demons have been cast out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're so gathered they're gathering to his Jesus. presence and in his proximity yeah. and. Yeah, gathered to him, sort mm-hmm. of instead of yeah. That's how I would take it. Though I mean, of course, you know, you. I, I'm not not disputing that they're going to be involved. Like you, you already said, the apostles will do some of this work and the church still does some of this work. But I don't think that's the, that's the point of that language in that verse. This is, I don't think this is about evangelism. I think no, this no, is no. about being gathered. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, so how much do you make of the waterless places, the deserts? I, I, you know, I never thought to just start thinking about what is a waterless place. <laughs> right. I can't believe I didn't ever think of that. And that's uh but that's I think that's really insightful. Like he's just talking about waterless pla- waterless places, but what what other places uh, uh a pit, right? A well, a dried well. Right. Right, right. And finding and right, seeking rest, but there is none. I mean, that I think right, he doesn't just say barren places. I mean, that's why the, the Greek word is kind of an unusual word. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's that I like that translation, waterless. That's better than just translating it dry, um, because I think it, it it is an emphasis, right? That mm-hmm. it, it's a... But are there so other... Yeah, I think, I think there, it could have been are there other, other signs... Places? Yeah. Are there other signs of God's judgment or a lack of his presence in waterless places? Like hmm. crossing of the Red Sea. Oh, uh, when Pharaoh yeah, but that's and a his, good that's a good lack of water though I mean but not for Pharaoh who follows in well only because it's a trap I mean what's going to kill him though is the water true okay so that's <laughs> so, so that's not know. right uh, <laughs> he wanted yeah, to stay waterless here. <laughs> but that's a good waterless place yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's just deserts. I think it's just you know barrenness, right? The the the, the wild place where there is no rest. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think also uh, I was just thinking about this when I was preparing, but I, w- I was thinking about how I have no experience with this, of course, but just from television, you know, like a a pond in the savanna or whatever where these lions come and drink water next to the gazelles and so forth, and there's mm-hmm. alligators and right. And they're 
they're forced to do that because that's the only place there's water. Mm-hmm. And and it you know it always is sort of scary to me when I see those mm-hmm. scenes. Yeah. Um, you know, because the gazelles are going to get it. And but but I mean, it, it's uh, I, I wonder if there isn't just a sense in which water waterless places are places of violence, mm. and where the creatures are against one another because they're competing for water. Yeah. Is could you know taking waterless places and then looking at finger of God? Could you could you make the jump to they came through the Red Sea? through the water, and now they're in the wilderness with waterless places. They're always crying out for water. And this is where all of the idolatry, the demons actually attack when mm. in the giving of the Ten Commandments too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they're not really – well, I mean, the problem is they're not filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And and they don't trust God to, to give them the water that satisfies that they'll never be thirsty again. Mm-hmm. They're ruled by their passions. So, you know about this, um, speaking of, of water in the desert, this this idea that the rock that Moses struck actually followed them physically? Yes. That the rock the second time is the same rock? <laughs> Do you know this? Uh, I, I, was, I didn't know that, uh, but I was always struck by St. Paul saying, and it followed them. Yeah, like, that's, what is well, that? So, what does that mean? Yeah. So apparently, there is a a Jewish legend opinion um, that the that that's the same rock and that the rock has been traveling with them. It like it's mobile. I don't know. It has wheels. It it's it's like it it propels itself, and that's where they get water the whole time. And uh, that seems to be what Paul when he says that that's what he seems to be referring to. The rock that followed them was Christ. I mean, I find that really fascinating. Well, I mean, because it's in, I wouldn't care if it was just in the rabbis or whatever, but when Paul picks up that language, it really makes you think maybe that is what's going on. I mean, and is it in the rabbis of like pre-second century? I don't know. I don't know. I just, I haven't known about that for even a whole year. I can't remember when I first, I just ran across it within recent memory and was kind of blown away by the, by the thought of it. Um, I guess it was because we were working through uh, a Genesis, and then you know I was reading about this rock that was struck, and this idea that it was the same rock the second time, and that that rock had been with him the whole time. So when when God says go to the rock, He's saying you know where to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, also just think about you know these people. <laughs> I mean, they got bread and quail every morning. They got this rock. I mean. They got this, you know, rolling drinking fountain that, you know, just <laughs> bubbler. <laughs> I mean, they're in, so, I mean, they're not, the point is they're not in a waterless place. Mm-hmm. I mean, here they are in a, in the desert, but I mean, they're not, they're not suffering from lack of food or water at all. Well, I mean, or we're have we're any not, reason to be afraid. We're not no, in exactly. waterless places either, but we can treat places as waterless. Well, exactly. And mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you know, we have, I mean, the sort of obvious thing, right? I mean, here we have the sacrament of the altar and we have the blood of Christ basically whenever we want it. And of course, Bibles for sure, whenever we want them. And, you know, we, we, we look with, uh, with lust upon, you know, the Old Testament and when these miracles were happening and things. Yeah. 
and, and act as though, why won't God tell me what I, you know, things and we have the whole Bible and we're like, I just don't know what God wants me to do. And I wish God would speak like he used to, you know, we, we yeah, it's like the Israelites, you know, standing there knee deep in bread and quail with, you know, a, a miraculous rock, you know, that, that rolls around with them and yeah. gives them water whenever they want it. And they're like, oh man, I wish I could have some cucumbers in Egypt. It's, yeah, it's just insane. We have no food, and we hate this worthless food. <laughs> that's that's what I always find I funny. Like you say that out loud, and you're like, "We have no food, and we hate this food." I'm like, "How could you even say that?" Yeah. Well, I mean, Adam well, and Eve in the it. garden, right? No, I know, but I mean, Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, it's not like they're hungry yeah. or they're lacking. Right? They can eat of every tree. You know, they have plenty yeah. of interesting, beautiful, tasty food, and they're like. Wait, wait, what's that one? <laughs> yeah. Well, the only one we want. But only by temptation. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. But so, right. They, there is this thing in the beginning of 1 Corinthians. St. Paul says, like, you are not lacking in any gift. And, ah. um, and that seems to be a constant theme in our own lives and in the lives of those who've gone before us recorded in the scriptures is that we're always complaining about our lack and God is always pointing to us like, like you lack nothing. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, I can't lately, I have just been obsessed with money. It's horrible. I I just hate it because we, we have to replace this pipe organ and school never has enough money. And it's just, and I mean, we're fine, I'm, but you know, it's been just this awful spiritual thing where I'm just constantly thinking about money and it's just so awful. And yeah, I should be, that's a great, that's great. That's a great um, remonstrance there or rebuke that uh, we have everything, right? What, yeah. what, what do I, what more, <laughs> what more could I want? Well, and, and uh, I think on top of it is what do you expect? Like, what would you expect? Yeah. Would you expect it to be easy when our Lord tells us <laughs> time and time again that the way is narrow and the, or the door is narrow and the way is difficult? Um, yeah. We, we tend to think like, oh, well, you know, we've got this side of the equation right. Uh, but it's almost as if we'd be willing, and this kind of demonstrates kind of how selfish and misguided we are, we'd almost be willing to say, or we get to the point of, I'd rather not have the school and not have to worry about money. Yeah, that's right. I no, I'd, I think I'd that's rather right. not have these these good, wonderful things happening, and right. the money situation be fine. Like if that's not idolatry, <laughs> right? No, you're hundred. That's right. It's terrible. I, yeah, it's it, the money becomes such a distraction that you know we forget about the children right in front of us. Right, and. Um, you know, and then we're just thinking about well, if we had more children that would pay more tuition, and then and then of course there's here comes the government. You know, they're they're happy; they'd love to give us money. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just yeah, it's that's great. No, I th- I think that's exactly right. We're focused on the lack, and God's pointing to what we have. Mm-hmm. Right? We have we have music. You know. Yeah. Um, we have we have great hymns, and we know how to sing them. And we have people that can sing, and they do, and they love it. And right, I mean, it just goes on and on when you start to really look at what God actually gives and bestows. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's not that uh, it's not that the organ's evil; uh, yeah. it isn't at all. But it, it it is an opportunity for idolatry of of more than one type. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's 
Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I repeat this a lot that, you know, you're not lacking in anything. Yeah, that's good. Um, because there's a lot of temptation to think like, if I just had, if I just had. Right. And, right. And then you just miss out on all the stuff that you do have. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just driving around fantasizing about some billionaire, you know, endowing everything so that we can just not have to worry about money. And it's, <laughs> why am I worried? I don't have to worry about money now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I had money, then I wouldn't have to worry about it. But now I have to, but I don't have to. Right. In, fa- in fact, it's a, it's a sin to, to think about it, to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, that's not throwing Ridiculous. caution to the wind. It's just, uh, I mean, we should be shrewd, but. Yeah, of course. Of course. But we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be doing what I've been doing. Yeah. Uh, thinking about it all the time. So, so. is, is this one of the applications, like what are the demons that are uh, infiltrating or fighting against those who have water, you know, who are baptized to draw them away? Do you go back to yeah. the uh, parable of the sower and talk about those mm-hmm. things, the, the perceived lacks that we have? Yeah. I mean, I think the parable of the sower is definitely on, on the mind here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether that's uh you know, those who heard the word of God inattentively, and so the demons snatch them away, uh, or it's the demons that, you know, are sowing tares in the wheat. I know that's another parable, but while men sleep um, and, uh, you know, choking out. So mm-hmm. I think, I, you know, because again, I, I the key verse here, well, I guess we didn't, maybe we didn't say this, or I can't remember, but the key verse is verse 28. Right. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And mm-hmm. and everything that kind of goes before is is leading to that or is kind of driving that summary statement. So yeah. what is it that what is it that keeps us from hearing the word of God or causes us to let go of the word of God? So which is that word of God? Does he have something specific in mind here or just in general? That's a good question. I've always just taken it as general. Or maybe it's general, but specific for a person, you know, depending on their, their circumstance or their besetting sins or, you know, their scrupulosity or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I just have always taken it as just the Bible, basically. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if it was a specific word, I mean, what would it be? The, the cast, the, the, the driving off of the demons I mean, if you go uh, back in the chapter, it could be the Lord's Prayer. Could be the Lord's Prayer. Because you've got all of the, I mean, you've got all of the the will of God, the name yeah. of God, the kingdom of God, the delivering us from evil, not leading us into temptation, and then the daily provision. Like maybe everything, the, maybe, everything that the Israelites struggled with in the middle. Yeah. Well, I wonder if it could be, maybe it's just like in Luther's explanation to the baptism that it's actually the name of the trinity mm-hmm. that i mean if you went if you went if you tied it to the baptism thing right so do you what, sing saint patrick's that, bless, word, breastplate this weekend <laughs> i i don't i was gonna look and see what we sing i think i want to sing um abide O dearest jesus uh-huh. but um saint patrick's breastplate does it have hallelujahs in it 
I don't remember. I can, I, <laughs> I can only, I've tried to sing it acapella just on my own. And I can't do it. I can't <laughs> hear all the, I can get like the oh, first really? couple lines and I always have to pull up like YouTube or something like that. So I can sing it with somebody. I really love it, but we only sing it. <clears throat> uh, the conjure is not a f- big fan of it. So we sing it once a year and that's it. And yeah. that, that is the last distribution hymn. I mean, he treats it like the way I treat Amazing Grace. So he's hoping, you know, we don't know a lot of people show up that Sunday. Well, it's kind of like a pump song almost. Um, it is. I mean, it's kind of like get the criticism. You're, yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a good thing. Like, what if, <laughs> what if we got up in the morning and sang that? Like, I'm going to put on the holy name of the Trinity today and yeah. go yeah. out no, it's as great. his people. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, when you compare it to Lutheran chorales, it, it doesn't really say much. Yeah. But I mean, what 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 can stand up against a Lutheran chorale? I mean, it's kind of an unfair standard. Yeah. Don't ask Keith Curtis <laughs> that because he'll say everything. <laughs> <laughs> I have a. I really like the Latin hymns. Mm-hmm. I think they do stand up pretty well, and yeah. and I do have a kind of soft spot for these Anglican tunes, like. Um, but like Prudentius, you mean? You know, yeah. Yeah. And like, like that one and like, um, uh, uh, Loey comes on clouds descending oh, yeah. I love, and, that's and all a that kind hand. of stuff. Oh, I know. And, uh, Oh vision type. What, what, you know, all that, what is that? Anyway, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I wonder a wondrous if type that, of vision fair. That's it. That's it. The, uh, so those who hear the word of God and keep it. I mean, if we go back to the, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, right? When an uncle- the unclean spirit goes out of the man in the baptismal rite, right? Depart unclean spirit and make way for the Holy Spirit. So, you know, if, if that's the, if that's the word of God that you hear and keep, that's the the name of the Holy Trinity that's placed on you at baptism. Mm-hmm. And you know, and she brings up, you know, I I mean, I think you could this this could be. I think you can make a case for this. I mean. It's a bit of a stretch, but look, the woman in the crowd brings up birth, right? Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. And, you know, uh, so, I mean, to keep it in that vein, too, that's still, that's like, that's baptismal language. Mm -hmm. No, I like I really like this idea. I I never thought of that. I've always just taken it as the Bible, which, which, I mean, it's not wrong, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, But... uh, I really, you know, I find that um, a lot of times adults don't understand the explanation to the first question in baptism. Uh, that uh, how's it go? Uh, oh my goodness, how can I not say this right now? What is baptism? The, uh, right, but then the uh, right. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. The first question, not the uh, not the second question. Yeah, that's right. What is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word? Yeah. And they hear that combined with God's word. And they think Bible. Yeah, it's the name. Like they don't. They don't. Right. It's the specificity. Right. The command is to baptize. Right. Which included mm-hmm. in God's command, baptize. That's the command. And then combined with God's word, the word is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And and um, that specificity, I think, is sometimes lost on them. Mm-hmm. You, you get a similar kind of uh, thing when I, as a called and ordained servant of the Word. Sometimes I've had people think that means that we're servants of the Bible, ah, and uh, and not you know, of Jesus. I mean, I mean, it's, 
Right. I mean, I'm convinced that uh, a called and ordained servant of the word means, a, you know, the word that became flesh. Yeah. Um, though I could, I could, it could be the uh, servant of the command, right, mm-hmm. to to forgive sins. But it doesn't seem to me it's it means the Bible there. So I, I do think we have a tendency to hear the word of God and to think Bible. Yeah. And I mean, I I for I, I mean, I hundred percent have always done that with this passage, and uh, you know, yeah, and maybe, certainly you know we do that with Psalm nineteen one nineteen. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe this should be a rightly. question whenever you have something like Word of God. We just ask ourselves, which is that Word of God? Is it referring yeah. to the whole thing, or does it, does you have something specific in mind? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I wonder if we're. I want. I mean, it's easier when the when it says something like a saying. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm trying to think of where, right? The the you know you have that. Um, huh, can't think of the Hebrew word, but anyway. Shema. I saw. I thought it started with an R. Isn't there some R word in Hebrew that means saying? I can't. Ri- I could almost. Oh well, I don't know Hebrew. I shouldn't have even brought it up. Anyway, I like that idea a lot of the uh, this being a baptismal word. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could you. It, I wouldn't. Obviously, we're not going to be dogmatic about it. I mean, you could you could back it up too and say you believe that that Jesus casts out demons by the finger of God, and you could back it up to the Lord's Prayer too. I'm. I wouldn't. Uh, you believe that Jesus answers prayers to go to the next part, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I like even if even if we're not being dogmatic, I like the idea of looking for specificity and not letting it slip into generic Bible stuff. We believe when we say we believe the Bible, we mean we believe the specificities of the Bible, not the Bible as an abstraction, right? Right, right. Um, and it is possible to to talk about the Bible as an abstraction rather than the actual things the Bible says. So. Mm-hmm. So would you then want to connect this to the table of duties? Uh, how so? Well, I mean that so if you're going to if you're going to say this is also the baptismal where well, you're baptized into a particular reality and he puts you in particular places and so there are other words of God words. to um hold on to to guard and keep. Yeah, I like. I, yeah, you know, I think that's better. Actually, I like that. Which uh, uh, there are specific words of God that have been given to you mm-hmm. that you must that you that you must hear and hold on to. Mm-hmm. And it's it, so right. Like I'm not an executioner. I'm not the hangman. Right? right. So those those words in in they still inform me, but mm-hmm. they don't. Those aren't the words that I'm to hear and to hold on to the way that I am. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's better, actually. Um, what is the word that God has spoken to you? You're a husband. Mm-hmm. You're a whatever. Um, you're a neighbor. Yeah. You're not just a neighbor. You're a neighbor to these. And even, yeah, you're not. Yeah, I sometimes do this with the, uh, <clears throat> you're not just generically a husband, but you know, you're. Husband you're to this Lauren's person. Lauren's husband. Yes. Right. You have, it's a very specific call. And you know you're not just a father; you're a father to these children. Mm-hmm. You're a neighbor to these people, and and that defines you know your your role as father is different than my role as father because the people you father are different. 
Mm-hmm. So this is Jesus actually. So if we see the world as God's garden, this is actually Jesus doing what Adam didn't do by mm. crushing the head of the serpent. He's casting yeah. out the serpent and oh, pointing these things yeah. out. <laughs> and he, he's has, he has to cast out the he has to cast out the demons because we didn't hear the word of God and keep it. Right. Yeah, that's a good connection. There wouldn't be if you guys had done your job, there wouldn't be any demons possessing people. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But I love this too that he uh it's not that uh right, it's 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 not that well you guys really you guys really stink at this. You're not very good at hearing God's word and keeping it. Therefore, I'm not gonna ask you to do it anymore. Like, I mean, Adam is, you know, I mean, Adam fails as husband, as sure. protector, as pastor, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not like then God's like, okay, forget it. You know, you're too stupid for this. You can't do it. I mean, we would all understand if he said that. It'd be a reasonable response in some ways. But but instead, right, he picks Adam up. Adam still has to be the head of the household, even though he's not that good at it. Mm-hmm. He has to keep trying. I always use this example, and maybe I've used it on here before, but... Uh, I'm actually in my house forbidden from doing laundry because of this. So like I've screwed up the laundry and ruined clothing so many times that Jackie's just like, you're too stupid to do laundry. Do not do laundry. I will do all of the laundry. (laughs) (laughs) That's a real story. (laughs) I do sometimes still do it anyway, but uh, I have learned, but um, you know, there is this kind of reality of our our incompetence will sometimes get us out of work, mm-hmm. but that doesn't work in the kingdom of God. You don't get out of your vocation because you're because you failed at it, even no. even failed repeatedly. And there is this. Inc- I mean, I think that's a, a kind of underappreciated part of God's patience that He continues to give us a part in His kingdom and a role to carry out, right? With with confidence in mm-hmm. us. Okay, that was wrong. Do it again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Just the same thing that I said to Eve in the garden and she didn't listen to. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's still the right answer and still what you need to do. Yeah. So uh, did you have any fivefold use or did we talk mostly about it? I think we kind of got, got through it there. Um, again, you know, again, the kind of reality of demons there's a possibility to talk here. There is something fun with this Beelzebul. We've probably said it in years past that that's the um, king of the dung heap. That means the Lord of the flies. Yeah. What? Yeah. King of the dung heap. Lord, l- yeah. More literally Lord of the flies, but the Lord of the flies are, the flies are at the dung heap. So you've mm-hmm. got this mocking of Satan. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I mean, that's not really what the text is about. They're, uh, they're, they're using it against Jesus. So you've got, the hatred of the world in terms of doctrinal things, right? The hostility of the world, the reality of demons, the, uh, the need for sanctification um, and to be filled with the Holy spirit so that the Mm -hmm. demons don't come back. The word of God. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about the, the, the woman, um, you know, there is this connection because earlier when Jesus says those who hear the word of God and do it are my brothers and sisters, and here, this lady brings up his mother, and he do- and you know he doesn't dispute that she is the most blessed of women, mm-hmm. um, that her womb is blessed and her breasts are blessed. But uh, it's, I mean, he, he ties it to her faith, right? Mm-hmm. And you could 
certainly tie this back to St. Mary's response to the to Gabriel in Luke, right? Mm-hmm. Same book, right? Let it be unto let it uh, I am the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. Mm-hmm. Right? She does have a, a, a her faith is defined by the by the word. Yeah. So. And and that's a specific word, the Lord is with you. Yeah, sure is. Yeah. Yeah, we don't believe that about ourselves, that we're gonna conceive and bear the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's. I think we got through it through it all pretty good. So we didn't, we didn't name things. Thinking but, of going at this point, or still uh, ruminating. I'm still ruminating, but I I like this baptismal vocational thing about hearing the word of God in its specificity. Because mm-hmm. I I think again, there's a kind of so maybe that's uh, maybe that's a correction. I th- I think we can sometimes say, oh yeah, I love the Bible. I hear the Bible. But then we somehow don't seem to think that that applies to whose turn it is to do dishes or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like this kind of separation from, the again, the sort of Bible is an abstraction or the Bible is a his, history, but, you know, I have to figure out what to do here in my life and the Bible doesn't come into play. Right. Um, and yeah. Yeah. It, it, we often hear the word of God in terms of the gospel freeing us from things instead of it putting us into uh, the position of taking responsibility for something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the order that we, I mean, I love that with the, uh, you know, that the, uh, what did you call the, the, the house toffle? What did you, what did you call? Oh, table. Of, I'm sorry. Ta- yeah. The, uh, the table of duties is a, it's order, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it is, I think it's really interesting if you look at the table of duties, the way Luther lays it out in the catechism, it's, it's always those who exercise authority within particular estates and the and then those who are subordinate within that estate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, what, what God says to pastors and then what hearers owe their pastors, Mm -hmm. what God says to parents and then what children owe their parents, you know, or that kind it's. That that dynamic, I think, is is more central again than we, we know that we're all exercising authority in certain aspects and we're all subordinate in others, mm-hmm. and 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 the three estates, you know, kind of simultaneously. So that's where the yeah, I like that that the table of duties is the is the word that we're to hear and then hold on to. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, any final thoughts? Anything we didn't get to? No, I think that was pretty good. All right. Well, thanks for your time, Dave. We'll catch up next week. All right. Thanks, Jason.